Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work from the American University of Beirut. I'm Rami Khoury, your host. Every week I speak to a scholar or a faculty member or a practitioner in some field of life, and we learn what they're discovering from their research and their interventions in various dimensions of people's daily lives. And they tell us what they're discovering and what it means for the rest of us. I'm happy to have as my guest today, May Sa'ar Malouf, who is a clinical dietitian in the Department of Clinical Nutrition at the AUB Medical Center. May, thanks for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. So you, you constantly interact with people who come to you to talk about nutrition, and most of the people in the world, uh, well, maybe not most, but many people, including myself, have constant uh, battles with uh, gaining weight, staying healthy, and things of that nature. So uh, let me just ask you a general question. Broadly speaking, uh, in the work that you and your colleagues have done over the years, are there two or three more most common issues that people come to you for advice on in the field of nutrition and, and eating? Yes, definitely. Um, we, we try to help um, the community at large. Uh, we have a lot of people who come to the clinics with uh, different uh, nutrition problems. Uh, we have people who have the weight issue, like you said, they are maybe overweight or obese and they need help. But we also get a chunk of, from the community people who have diseases, for example, like diabetes or kidney disease or hypertension. And they want to know what is the medical nutrition therapy for this kind of uh, disease or disorder that they have. And uh, we also get uh, sometimes people, for example, who have uh, specific disorders. For example, I work with eating disorders in specific. So people who have anorexia or bulimia or binge eating also come to uh, our services and we try to help them as much as possible. Uh, you also have the people who suffer from malnutrition, and this is uh, becoming more prominent now with uh, the problems that we're having in the country. Uh, so it might be people who have uh, cancer or other forms of diseases or who are not able to afford proper nutrition, and uh, they are becoming malnourished. And those people are, are also in need of uh, help. Wow, that's quite a range of issues. Um, if you were to generalize, uh, would you say that... Uh, most of the issues you deal with are physiological based. There's something in the body or are they more sort of psychologically, um, uh, mentally based? People are reacting to certain stresses or issues in their life and it shows up in their eating habits. I think it's both. It's, it's, it's quite complex. You know, if we take, for example, obesity or overweight as a problem, you have multiple factors that come into play. You have genetics. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is very important. You know, people all, always uh, tend to self-blame. You know, I'm not doing well. I cannot uh, diet well. And that's why I'm overweight or obese, which is not the case. Uh, they forget that there is a huge physiological component, uh, a component of heredity that is already there that is predisposing them uh, to have a certain, uh, a certain uh, weight. Uh, and mm -hmm. also, there is definitely also a psychological component. A lot of people, when they are stressed or uh, uh, whenever they are battling with their emotions, uh, they find comfort in food. Uh, and they think that food probably is a way to calm their nerves and help them to deal with their stress. Uh, but in the long run, it actually backfires on them and uh, they tend to slip into disordered eating and problems from that. I always tell my clients that for you to be eating well and to be well nourished, you need to be nourishing both your body and your mind. You nourish your body by eating properly, 
from all the food groups. You make sure you're getting your vitamins, your minerals, your proteins, the fats that you mm -hmm. need, the carbohydrates that you need, the energy, the water that you need. But at the same time, you should also be able to enjoy what makes you happy. If you're going to have that piece of chocolate or that piece of cake, that's fine. You shouldn't be living in restriction and not allowing yourself to eat whatever uh, that makes you feel comfortable or happy. But you should find the key, which is moderation between the two. I cannot only eat what makes me happy all day long because probably mm -hmm. then my body wouldn't be getting the nutrients it needs. And at the same right. time, I not I cannot just live in restriction and just eat what just eat what is good for my body and forget everything else, because you right. know play foods like cakes, uh, chocolates, donuts. Uh, these are part of our culture. You know, whenever you're invited to a birthday, definitely there will be yes. cake. Uh, so yeah. for me to be properly nourished and to fit well in the community where I live, I should be able to eat everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some of the best news I heard in my. Uh long and happy life is when I saw a nutritionist recently. I'm in the United States now for a while and I, I needed to do a low carbohydrate diet. And among the great news I had, she told me I can eat dark chocolate in reasonable quantities. Uh, so that was uh, that was ha happy news. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, which is what you're saying, you know, don't deprive yourself, but do it, uh, do it wisely. Um, is, is the issue of uh, nutrition also linked to the kind of commercial, commercialized uh, society we live in, where there's tremendous advertising and, and, and especially uh, pressure uh, on both men and women, maybe a little bit more on men, that, uh, a little bit more on women, that you need to look like this and you need to have this kind of body shape to be a, a, a successful person. There's a tremendous uh, pressure from commercialized advertising and promotion and, and stuff like that, uh, selling you all kinds of things. Uh, do you feel this uh, in, the, in the patients that you get, that they're, they're succumbing to a lot of this? Definitely. It's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon. And in Lebanon, it's the same. You know, every day we feel the pressure that we need the, to diet, we need to lose weight. For men, we need to become bulky and have muscles. And we try mm -hmm. to conform to these impossible beauty standards that are set to us by the media, uh, the social media in particular, by our peers, our community, and especially by the diet industry. You know, the diet industry, it's a big business. It's billions of dollars. Uh, it's creating a market by selling, you know, uh, a new diet every few years. I've been a dietitian for 20 years. You know, now it's a keto diet, paleo diet, intermittent fasting. Uh, 10 years ago, it was Atkins, the high-protein diet, low-carb, etc. So they reinvent a new diet, a new craze every few years uh, to keep, you know, loyal customers. So if this diet doesn't work with you, then maybe next year you can try another diet. And with the diet, you get all kinds of programs, supplements, juices, diet products, diet plans, etc., and uh, this is how they create, you know, uh, customers that are going to be coming again and again to try the diet again. Because unfortunately, most of the diets, especially when they're very restrictive, uh, they're not successful. So it might work for someone in the short run. They might lose weight for a couple of months, maybe six months up to a year. But then later on, when they stop the diet and resume their normal eating habits, most probably the weight is going to creep back again. So they will be tempted to try a new diet or something else. Uh, 
Um, so definitely, th this is what we see all over in in, in Lebanon and in, in all other in all other countries. And what's very dangerous, especially for the youngsters and the teens, is that they link, you know, success and self-esteem to your body image. So if you're thin, if you're uh, you have a low body weight or for a, a male, if they are bulky and they have muscles, well, then you, you will be more successful. People will like you better, uh, which, is, which is really untrue. So there is no relationship whatsoever. There should be no relationship between your self-esteem and your weight. And this is exactly the opposite message that we keep on getting from, uh, from all over. Uh, I know from my interviews with other people, uh, in especially in the in the medical field, but also in other areas, that technology is starting to play a, a big role in, in different aspects of life, uh, especially digital technology. Are there new uh, contraptions or systems in the field of nutrition that uh, are based on new technology and or apps and things like that? Uh, yes, definitely there are. Uh, you know, there are the typical apps where you can uh, just input what you had in the day and it can calculate the calories and the macronutrients that are there. Uh, mm -hmm. It can also send you messages, for example, to remind you to do some physical activity or to drink water if you need to. Uh, there are also other apps where you can scan whatever you're eating. So you can scan the code of, for example, the chocolate bar or whatever product you are eating and it will give you also nutrition information about it. Oh, wow. And also there are more sophisticated applications where they use uh, artificial intelligence, you know, to get uh, more information about you. And they try to sell you or to give you a meal plan that is uh, somehow personalized. Let me ask you a question about culture. Uh, do you find with all the different people that you've interacted with and in, in your studies around the world and your travels and your work, and uh, are there differences in cultural habits that relate to nutrition and eating. So somebody in California or Zimbabwe or uh, Lebanon or Vietnam, what, what, where does culture play a role, if at all, in this? Definitely, nutrition is a very big part of culture. We are blessed in our part of the world uh, to be part of the Mediterranean region. Uh, so most of our food is based on the Mediterranean diet which is relatively a very healthy diet. It's mm -hmm. probably, for example, healthier than the American diet, which yeah. is a high-fat, high-carbohydrate, high-refined sugar diet. So for the Mediterranean diet that we mostly adopt in Lebanon, and that unfortunately we are starting to lose a little bit because, you know, our, our food is becoming more and more like the Western cuisine. But our typical Mediterranean diet is actually very healthy. It's based on beans, you know, we have uh, all kinds of beans like the peas, the broad beans, the hummus, etc., which are very healthy. Right. It's based also on uh, the complex carbohydrates like the cracked wheat or bulgur, for example. Uh, we have uh, small amounts of meat and chicken in our diet. It's mostly uh, vegetables, fruits. We have uh, the nuts. So in general, it's quite a healthy diet. The right. small difference in Lebanon is that uh, usually the Mediterranean diet is a diet that is rich in uh, fish. Uh, but in Lebanon, we really do not, uh, we do not eat fish as much as we need to because it's a bit uh, expensive. Right. Uh, 
And uh, we tend to rely a little bit more on potatoes for carbohydrates in our uh, in our region mm -hmm. because you know it's a local product and uh, we have uh, plenty of it. But in general, if we adopt the typical Lebanese cuisine, it's really a very healthy, nutritious, uh, good uh, eating pattern. Uh, so, so the, yani, if we can eat as much as we can, if we can cook Lebanese as much as we can, uh, definitely we will be adopting a healthy and uh, good uh, nutritional pattern. Wow. Um, let me ask you another question about uh, age groups. Are there differences in, say, university students, middle-aged people in their, say, 30s and 40s, and then older people uh, in terms of nutritional issues that you deal with when you consult with people? Uh, are, are there patterns uh, that relate to age groups? Uh, definitely, there are. Uh, you know, whenever you're dealing with a child or a teenager, you have to take into account that they are growing. So definitely they need more uh, energy, more proteins, because they are building their bodies and they are growing. So you need to take that into account. In general, we don't like to prescribe diets to uh, this uh, category. We just need to have them to eat well and to grow well. Now, in the 20s, 30s, it depends sometimes for the females. This is the age where uh, you start to get pregnant or you breastfeed. So definitely you have also specific uh, nutrition concerns for these categories of people. Uh, later on, uh, for males and females, whenever we get to an older age, uh, probably this is where you start seeing sometimes some of the problems, for example, like diabetes, hypertension, etc. Uh, so, so you'd have also to be careful around the, the type of nutrition that you are getting. But whenever we are uh, seeing someone who's an elderly, so above 70 years of age, usually what we do is we stop any dietary restrictions because most of the time uh, they have the tendency to eat less and become malnourished over time. Uh, so we also just help them to eat well and to meet their nutrients. And we, we just check any uh, problems that they might have from, for example, uh, problems with their dentures or the polypharmacy, if they have the multiple medications, you know, their mobility is affected. So uh, you, you'd have to also to take all of that into consideration. But definitely for each group, you, you have special nutrition, and sometimes even you have a specialized dietitian that is taking care of that group specifically. So we have time for one more question. Let me ask you in general, when so many different kinds of people come to you for advice and you interact with all kinds of issues that people have, are there two or three general suggestions that you make about nutrition and healthy lifestyle uh, related to food? What, what, what are the two or three top tips that you give to the population as a whole? Okay, so the first most important tip is that you need to be well nourished throughout the day and you shouldn't be hungry. Uh, so we need to have three main meals, which is breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and additional snacks as needed. Whenever we're having a meal, we are uh, trying to have a meal that covers all the major food groups. Uh, so we choose a source of protein, a source of carbohydrates, uh, fruits, vegetables, and a source of daily as well to, to cover the calcium needs. And we have the snacks whenever we need them. Uh, if we feel like having uh, anything as a snack, even if it's not uh, the healthiest food, that's fine. We shouldn't restrict anything. But we just ask ourselves, why are we having this item? Is it because we are hungry? Then we should have the meal or just to enjoy it and then it's okay. 
We also should take care that we are having good physical activity throughout the day. It's very important to be active and uh, to move. Uh, we need to sleep also well for at least seven hours. And we need to be well hydrated. And this is how probably our body will be able to perform at its uh, utmost uh, level. Okay. Well, that's pretty useful advice. And um, from my experience, it's tough to follow it. But if you make an effort, you can do it and stay healthy. And I really appreciate your being with us. May is a clinical dietitian in the Department of Clinical Nutrition at the AUB Medical Center. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you, you for bet. having me. And thank you to our uh, listeners for joining us. This is Rami Khouri at the uh, Professors at Work. Uh, join us again next week at the same time. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.